Hey there, listeners. What a special interview we have up for you today that you're listening to, maybe in your car, walking your dog. Uh, You know, maybe you're at practice and you just don't want to pay attention to your kids. Take these headphones out, go pay attention to the kids, and come back and listen to this at the appropriate time, coach. This interview is our first interview with a non-active coach. Lamont was a highly successful collegiate coach at Washington and Marshall and many other places, even did his thing properly at the high school level. Now he is affecting lives positively as a mentor at Louisiana Tech University. He's got great insight into coaching burnout, the stress that you put on family with his wife and his kids. It's an amazing story. I hope you enjoy it. I hope that you are also getting value from the Beyond the Track Facebook group. What is that, you ask? Well, if you are a collegiate track and field coach, there is a private group right now where we discuss financial health, physical health, relationship health, and so much more. You need to pause right now, head over to Facebook, and search Beyond the Track. Let's get going with a 30-second commercial and then this amazing interview. Hey, have a great day, coach. Let's try this again. Hey, welcome Beyond the Track. This is Interview the Coach, uh, back after some technical difficulties, so we're going to try this all over again. Uh, I'm excited to do another coaching interview here. Uh, This is another unique one. Everyone has been super unique, which I love. So uh, this one will be a former collegiate coach. So uh, you know the style. We'll do three sections, an origin story, what's unique, and what's a challenge. So we're going to Press the button here and see if we can't get today's guest. Fingers and hope Lamont shows up on the other side of the screen here. It's always anxious whether uh, internet's going to work or whether, hey, there we go, it works. What's going on, Mike? This is always the uh, cross your fingers and hope that technology works. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Hey, Lamont, thank you for joining me here uh, today uh, for another interview with the coach. Can you hear me okay? Everything good on yeah. that? Yeah. Good. And I see you have your Harvard diploma up over your shoulder. You're showing off. I love the it. A-P-S, cats, cats, cats. Oh, that's right. That, the Harvard of Kentucky, I believe, is what that's called. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, yeah. Hey, so Lamont, appreciate you joining uh, me here today and everybody else. You know, this will literally get viewed by thousands and thousands of people. So uh, no pressure that uh, this will live on the Internet forever. You'll be forever known as the guy who uh, said whatever crazy thing you're about to say. Cause I, I know you will. So I'm just not I'm just trying not to embarrass my wife. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Good luck to her. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, as you know, we do a three format here uh, on uh, Beyond the Track. So we're going to talk about an origin story from Lamont, uh, why he got into track, where he's at today, what the different places he's gone to, something that's unique about him. And we've got a really unique uh, story today with Lamont. I'm super excited to have this conversation. And hopefully uh, there's some of you out there that uh, can learn from this and uh, take it into your own lives. And then a challenge for Lamont, something that uh, Lamont is dealing with now that uh, we can work to expand the network and someone out there who's either gone through what uh, Lamont is going through or is going through the same, we can take this offline uh, and you guys can connect and hopefully um, uh, get better. You know, it's the whole goal of Beyond the Track. It's the number one and only reason I started it was to help 
uh, these great people who moonlight as coaches. You're not a coach. You are a person first, man. Uh, and so uh, I'm excited to, uh, to keep expanding that. So, hey, Lamont, they're not here to listen to me talk. Let's get, let's get you started. So let's talk about your origin story. You're you know, a comic book fan, so you know, you're yes. Batman, you're Superman. How did you get to where you are today? Well, I grew up around coaches. Um, my father was a high school coach and teacher at uh, Brainerd High School in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I uh, grew up around a, a bunch of great men and women uh, in the coaching profession. And um, didn't know that I was going to be a coach. Um, went to University of Kentucky, uh, majored in kinesiology and health promotions and minor in business. And then uh, John Kennison uh, over at uh, TCU, he was still the throws coach at Kentucky at the time. Yeah. And I was... I was finishing school working in the AmeriCorps Athletes and Service Program uh, to finish my degree. I was working at Bryan Station High School, and they talked me into to coaching their sprinters over there. And, and uh, Coach Kennison hooked me up with, uh, after I got my degree, hooked me up with a guy by, by the name of Roy Nelson Ball, Ball uh, RN Ball, at Titusville High School uh, down in Titusville, <laughs> Florida. Um, took a job there, worked there for a couple of years, um, took a chance. And that's how, that's where you and I met, is that correct? Uh, I think you and I met when I was at Marshall. No, you and I met when 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 I was at Titusville because I had high jump. High jump. Yeah, right. yeah I, I still have. Uh, when she left school, she gave me a pendant that uh, mm-hmm. just a real small pendant that says you can do all things through Christ. I still have that. I mean, I don't know how long ago that was now. Twenty yeah. years in my car in my rearview mirror. It's one of the few tokens I still have in my. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, sorry. So Titusville. Come yeah. On. yeah. Uh, ended up going to, uh, took a chance, really didn't like teaching in the classroom. Uh, I didn't know how my father did it for over 30-something years. Um, <laughs> uh, it really wasn't the kids. It was really more so the parents at that time. Uh, even even back then? Yeah, it was it was because okay. I, I actually worked as a, what, what they had was a dropout prevention class in Florida. And so I got all the bad kids. Yeah, and right. Kids, I, I could reach them. It was the parents that I had the most problems with. So I kind of got tired of that. My wife was getting a little homesick. She wanted to get back closer to her home. Uh, she's from Kentucky. And so uh, I took a chance, um, applied at Marshall University, uh, Jeff Small. And uh, mm-hmm. he took on a, a young young guy who only had really three years of, of high school coaching experience and uh, took a chance on me there. Uh, did four years there until they cut the men's track and field program there. And, and uh, I remember being told that they didn't want to have an all-men staff or all-women's team. Hmm. Uh, so they had to make some changes there. Um, and then uh, Rick Erdman and Tim Moore at uh, Eastern Kentucky um, remembered me as an athlete, saw what I did uh, as a coach at Bryan Station for, for a year, and uh, saw what I did at Marshall and, and uh, decided to bring me on as a GA. And uh, oh. that was that was a tough time for us financially. Hmm. Uh, I was actually taking the money that I was supposed to be paying back towards tuition and trying to uh, put it towards my family, and uh, our daughter was probably about three at the time, two or three. Okay. Um, because she was two, actually. And so uh, I was actually taking that money and working a little bit at the post office on campus, and, and, and GAs could recruit, and so I was doing a little bit uh, of that. And learning so you went from a full-time position to a GA. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. With and a family, uh, by the way. Yeah. Not just, yeah. not just single do whatever you want. Exactly. Yeah, you've exactly. got some real responsibilities. Yeah, and and uh, did that for, actually was there for probably about eight months. And then I uh, kept interviewing in all these jobs, and I remember interviewing at a couple of places, and, 
and Daryl Anderson, who was my coach, who's now the head coach at TCU, called me and gave me some tough love and told me to stop applying for certain jobs and, and said he had something cooking for me. And I I was at a low point at the time, uh, personally and professionally. And, and uh, next thing I know, I'm literally coming back from, from class and uh, I get a, a call from Greg Metcalf at the University of Washington and uh, September wow. 2004. And uh, get on a flight. He offered me the job um, before I catch the flight back. Um, call my wife, and she she's on board with it. We're moving to Seattle. <laughs> we came a little bit later, but I oh, up, oh is that right? Uh, I ended up leaving um, probably about three or four days after my daughter's third birthday. Um, and uh, my wife was on a contract job; she couldn't leave uh, until the following summer. And so she didn't come out to uh, Seattle until from Kentucky until uh, late June, early July of 2005. So, how, so I, I missed the first part. How, how long were you guys? Uh, I was say separated, but we're not talking about oh, legal. From, from, yeah, from from middle October to um, late June, early July. So we're talking about nine, uh, ten months, maybe, or rather, yeah. you know, yeah, that so is fascinating to me, and that's going to come up. Uh, later on even more in your yeah. story here uh you know this may be one of the few professions where that is more common than it should be where yeah. the husband or wife has to go to a new institution but they can't pick up the whole family yeah. uh, that's, that's a bait i mean what a stressor on the family yeah. your, your little yeah. girl's three years old at the yeah. top uh, but you're doing it because i mean doing it because you know number one I, I've always loved this sport. I've been involved in this sport since I was six years old. Right. Uh, number two, um, you know, yeah, I kind of showed myself that I could do it. Okay. Uh, and and uh, fortunately for, you know, I, I, I was blessed with, with Jeff Small and Greg Metcalf to give me opportunity. They believed in me enough to, to give me an opportunity to lead their sprint programs and sprint program programs. And, uh, you know, as the support system, man, I mean, yeah. I, I can't underscore how important my wife was in all this. Yeah. Oh, to, to support. Yeah. Support that. And she's still concerned about me now and coaching to this day. And, yeah. uh, she's been through it all. And then, you know, even yeah. after, after after Washington, you know. Because um, you, you have a lot of the stuff. Stop there in Washington for just a second. Yeah. You had some good success at Washington. I was I was very blessed, man. They, yeah. They bought into what, what I had to bring. And, right. um, I think they were ready for who I was, and I was ready for who they were. Right. And uh, we took advantage of, of the situation, and we made yeah. the best out of it. Awesome. Uh, How long were you there? About four years. Okay. And, so uh, uh, little girl's about seven, eight now. Where, where's yeah, next after, after yeah. Seattle? Yeah. So we, we get there, and, and unfortunately, we had a little bit of uh, some confusion on some things at the end, and, and there were some transition things going on in Washington that, that needed to happen. And, and uh, I was willing to, to stay. I'd actually turned down a job um, a couple before, before I left. Um, and just some transition things that were behind the scenes that were going on that just didn't work out in my favor. Right. And then at 2008-2009 season, I was still in Seattle. I was working at uh, uh, the Vector Sports Management. Um, Vector Sports, uh, kind of the offshoot of uh, Velocity Sports with uh, Laura Seagrave and that right. program. And then they shut that down. Uh, in 2009, 2010, uh, spent that whole summer trying to get jobs and actually got offered the UCLA job twice. Uh, 
Okay. Uh, I, I got offered by Art Benegas. Um, yeah. Wow. Everybody knows what happened with Coach Benegas, which I, you know, which was unfortunate. And then literally, probably about three and a half weeks later, I got offered a job by Mike Maynard. Okay. And and that didn't work out like I wanted to. Sure. Um, great place, historic place, awesome place. Yeah. Um, I know Avery's going to get it done there. Um, Good guys. Need, and uh, but it just wasn't the right fit. I wasn't the right fit for them, and they weren't sure. the right fit for me. Uh, it was no fault of anybody else's mind, and and uh, took responsibility for that. Left California, moved back to Kentucky. Uh, my my wife had just lost her father, and so we we moved back into my mother in law's house to kind of help her in the grieving process. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, I ended up getting a call to uh, to possibly be the head coach of Cal State LA. Uh, took that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that is a, an entirely different story. And it's, right, that, that'll come that, up next. Uh, yeah, uh, here. yeah, that didn't absolutely. work out. Uh, right. Then my mother got sick, um, and uh, took an opportunity to coach at the small NAIA school called Bethany University in McKenzie, Tennessee, in order to be closer to to home, and uh, and then did that for about a year and a half, and and that led me to Louisiana Tech. Um, did coach there for two years, coach here for two years, uh, went through some burnout issues. Um, mainly because I, I, I look back on it now, I just kind of spent a lot of time trying to get my family back under one roof, and uh, yeah. just kind of didn't didn't take care of of me, and didn't mm-hmm. take care of the, the position the way that I'm used to taking care of it. And so uh, now I'm working on it with uh, Jason to Student Affairs. I'm actually the coordinator of student leadership. Uh, which is just a fancy way of saying that I'm actually in charge. Uh, I'm an advisor and in charge of the IFC fraternities. Um, okay. And I also run a program called the African-American Male Initiative, which targets uh, the retention rates of African-American male students on, on Tech's campus. At campus, okay. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me, and, and this is what I, um, you, know, I've, I've been, you know, I was a coach forever, and now I'm involved with coaches, and, uh, you know, that's what I am so... Um, enamored with is that you're a great example of this rarely do we get to have a conversation with someone who's now not a, a college coach mm-hmm. uh, but that's what I really believe that the coaches that are out there that's why I say they're that's your title it's not who you are uh, you know they're selfless they're leaders they're passionate so no surprise at all that when you get out of coaching you go into a leadership role and mentoring other young people I mean that, you know no shocker here at all that that's yeah. what you would uh, go to and, and have great success so take a step back here as we transition mm-hmm. into the unique portion so we've had some uh, boy this might be the most interesting part for me on these interviews is what makes them unique what makes you unique because I think every human whether you're a track coach or not it has something unique about you uh, and I think exploring that uh, has a lot of uh, passion for me so we've had some great subjects here in the first five interviews. Yours is no different. Um, we, you mentioned the word earlier, and that is burnout. Uh, we hear that word a lot. It's a buzzword a lot of times. We talk about that we're getting burnt out or we are burnt out, but we keep doing the same things over and over, so maybe we're not really exploring that very well. Uh, take a step back, because it's interesting. we got kind of a, a, a teaser to what, this is about when in the title it says Lamont Vaughn and it says formerly of Law Tech. However, you are at Law Tech, but you yeah. are not coaching there now, but you were a coach. Mm-hmm. Take it one step further back to when you were 
coaching in Tennessee. You're, yeah. I got some confusion. Your wife was yeah. somewhere, your daughter was somewhere. It doesn't sound like we're all together. Yeah. Yeah, at, at one point, I was in McKenzie, McKenzie, Tennessee. My wife was finishing her job at uh, Cal State LA, and my daughter was in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, when I took the, the head coaching job at Cal State LA, uh, she was going into middle school. Uh, she had already started middle school when I uh, we made the decision to accept the job at Cal State LA. Um, and I basically worked at Cal State LA for probably about seven or eight months. Uh, you know, unfortunately, an extremely stressful time in my life um, okay. uh, for various reasons. Uh, but when I left there uh, to, to go to, to Bethel University um, for probably about, I don't know, maybe six or seven months, my wife was in L.A., I was in, in Tennessee, and my daughter was in, in, in uh, Kentucky. Wow. So, you know, I, we talked about earlier, you were in Seattle for eight, nine, ten months, the rest of the family, at least that mom and daughter were together. Oh, yeah, she was three. So yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they were together. That's stressful enough. Now you're in a situation where you're all three in separate areas. Um, and and you, you alluded to this a little bit about the stressful situation at the institution before that, Cal State LA. Um, and we're talking about burnout. So what, what are some things that uh, contributed to burnout for you? Oh, just... You know, I mean, part of it was we didn't communicate well, um, and that was stressful. And that was my first time trying to be a head coach and, mm-hmm. and understanding that you know, getting out of the assistant coach mode, uh, mm-hmm. where now you you are responsible for the program and, okay. and not necessarily just your event, uh, and you want your team to be successful. But now, you know, programming is you're running the entire team, mm-hmm. and, and you're responsible for all the day to day. Uh, of the entire team and when you're an assistant yeah you're recruiting you're coaching you're doing this but you don't make big ticket decisions and and trying to to navigate that uh and be a husband and a and a father and be a father from afar um a large part of that was extremely stressful and i think you know uh yeah there was things that i think could have been done better from cal state la standpoint but i don't blame them um yeah, there, there's some fault in it, but I blame more so myself because I can only control how I reacted to it. And a lot of that stress that I put on myself um, contributed to some of my reactions that ended up having more stress um, so, that, now, that I didn't take care of. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, I can actually relate to that to my now former career as a professional poker player. I won't get into that, but uh, how you deal with stress yeah. There's a lot of things. But now, you, you were not in a – it's not like you came from a uh, lack of stress environment. You ran in the SEC. Most people say that's pretty stressful. You coached in the Pac-12. Uh, so, you know, the big conference. There's a lot of stressors there. Uh, you had a um, – uh, I don't know if – I know he's All-American. Did he win nationals? Did he have a national champion? No. Close okay. to was Ashley Lodry and Jordan Bowles. Both yeah. Those are the two I was thinking. But but they were at least, uh, they're stressors of the expectations. Your athletes are good. Yeah. Don't screw them up. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, stress is not new to you. Yeah. But you get to a, a different institution, um, and now you're the head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you express more stressors. I, I get that. Um, yeah. And now there's a – so. What was different in how you were handling? Were you 
handling that stress in different oh, ways, um, not exercising, internalizing yeah. things. Yeah, internalizing a lot of things. Uh, wasn't taking care of myself as well as I should. Um, uh, didn't communicate as well as I probably should have, both um, with my family and with myself and with the people that I was working around. Oh, with. sure. Um, that was a big thing. And, and I put a lot of pressure on myself. Washington was, that was such a great experience for me. And even to this day, I miss it. Uh, I miss the, the athletes that I coached. I miss the people that I worked with. I miss the area, all of that. And I'll be real with you, man. I put a lot of pressure on myself to recreate that. And um, when you were at Yeah. Okay. And, and you even, did. even at UCLA, you know, okay. I you know. The big thing when I got to UCLA, hey, man, we saw this stuff you did there with these type of kids. Hey, we want you to come and do this here. We'll give you the resources and this, that, and the other. And and as much as I enjoyed UCLA, and God, man, I, I enjoyed working for, for Maynard, and uh, I worked for Mike Maynard, and uh, but I enjoyed working alongside Jeanette Bolden. And as a half mile of myself, working with Johnny Gray, oh, my God, I, I grew up watching uh, Forrest Braden and, and – uh, and Anthony Curran and, and, mm-hmm. and all of those people who are, are uh, big names in this sport. I enjoyed working with them and, and being able to meet Steve Lewis and Mike Powell and Kevin Miller oh, and yeah. John Smith and, and all of those those legends. And Bobby's watching Bobby Kersey and Alex Felix and Don Harper <laughs> work every day. And, you know, that was a great learning experience, right. but it's hard not to, you know, it was hard to, to keep your ego in check, you know. Okay. It, and and that reaction to that, like, man, I know I can do this here. And when it got harder and harder and harder and harder to do, because you know it was a, it was a rebuild that we were trying to do, and right. I put so much pressure on myself to 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 get back to NCAA finals and win national championships. I mean, mm-hmm. UCLA, you don't as a coach, you don't get a bonus at UCLA until you win a national championship. Mm-hmm. They don't, there's no that's your incentive. Um, that's the standard. You walk through the Hall of Champions in, in, yeah, in the Yeah, I've seen department. it. It's amazing. It's, Absolutely. You know, I, I would literally sometimes just go eat lunch in front of that 88 championship. Like, man, like, it, yeah. it, was, it was crazy. Um, right. So it was it was hard to kind of get that mojo back, and I put that pressure on myself to do that. Um, and so how I reacted to certain situations, um, okay. you know, just I, I think I could have handled it better. And, okay. and a large part of that too, uh, my support system, um, because I put a lot of energy trying to, especially after UCLA, trying to get my family under one roof. I didn't yeah. call. I didn't call Mike Holloway enough. I didn't call Daryl Anderson enough. I didn't call John Kennison enough. I didn't call. Uh, when you're describing Kyle those enough. people uh, who are all great people, uh, mm-hmm. are, are you really saying mentors? Is that what? Yes. Is that your, yes. Yeah, okay. All right. That yeah. that was my track and field. You know, mentor support council. <laughs> yeah, that was that. Yeah. that was the, the tribal council. That was right, the right. That, that you sit down. You know, we used to say all the time, like when you sit down with with Coach Anderson and Mike Holloway and Curtis Fry and, and all of these great coaches and Jeanette Bolden and all that. You don't sit at the breakfast table or at the lunch table and, and start contributing. You you sit there and you listen and you take notes. Um, and then you know, I also didn't contact my peer group enough. Eric Jenkins, um, Kareem Jackson, Ray Williams, uh, Fiji at North Carolina, Ronnie Williams, my teammate, you know, I didn't keep in contact with them enough because, you know, those conversations after I'm done recruiting, 
those conversations were, were now going to my wife. Hey, I'm in Tennessee. You're in, in California. Or when she moved back to Kentucky, uh, hey, you're in Kentucky and trying to, you know, get on the phone with my daughter, my my wife, and I, you know, I have a, I have a younger sister to, to, to consider as well. And, mm-hmm. and on my half of the family, those conversations were going to them. And, and so I lost a little bit of that. And then I kind of, I went to this stage where I kind of felt embarrassed because I wasn't coaching at the level that, that I was used to coaching at, that I wanted okay. to coach at, that I thought to coach at. And by the time I realized that I hadn't been on the phone enough with them and I hadn't been conversating with them, I felt embarrassed to call them because I felt like I was letting them down. And, uh, and that was, too, that was, some, that was a different type of stress. To, um, to say it back, how I'm hearing it, I'm hearing two things. One is um, you kind of started putting yourself on an island. You stopped calling your mentors and yeah. um, talking it out and listening and things like that. And then uh, kind of a spinoff of that, what I, what I feel like I just heard you say there about the embarrassment, you know, things like that, which is r- ridiculous. And I know you I know you now are able to see that. Yeah. A uh, little bit of, uh, and I totally forgot to tell you this in our pre-interview, if you've seen the other interviews, you know I'm going to challenge you. <laughs> so, uh, and, and we're friends enough that I believe I have this permission. Mm-hmm. What I hear there is a lack of humbleness. Yes. Uh, the embarrassment, the even calling a yeah. friend to say, hey, I just need to talk. I just need someone to listen. Yeah. Or I need someone to tell me to shut up and da-da-da, you know, yeah. those kind of things. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, and that, in, and that's our, especially Coach Anderson and Coach Holloway were, uh, are, still are. Yeah. Um, now, Daryl, <laughs> DA can give you, oof, man, tough luck. Um, I remember when when UCLA was coming up after Coach Venegas was let go, and and uh, there was kind of this lull in between where I was just kind of like, oh my god, what am I going to do next? I haven't been coaching for a year. If I don't get back in the game now, oh my god, I'm never coach again. I'm out here in Seattle. I don't know how to make it. You know, I went through all of that. Well. <laughs> DA called me. It was probably about seven a.m. and uh, and and if anybody knows DA, especially if you ran for him in the nineties, uh, they will relate to this story. Uh, Lamont, are you up? And I'm like, yeah, coach, I am now. Yeah. Mike Mate is going to call you. Don't f this up. Click. <laughs> so I'm laying in my bed, boxer shorts and all. Um, why just painted a great picture for everybody? Yeah. By the way. Wide awake, and I'm like, this man just talked to me like I was a freshman. All right. Okay. I'll and you're okay with it, right? Yes, sir. I'm like, okay. All right. That that's that's DA, and that's why I love him. And yeah. uh, and I, I consider him like like a second father to me. And and he got me in contact with Coach Holloway early in my career right. uh, because he was, number one, he was just tired of at me only asking him track and field questions. So he told me, don't call me. You call me to say hi, you call me to tell me right. what I'm doing, but don't call me, ask me no track and field questions until right. you start talking to other coaches. And so he gave me Coach Holloway's number. And so um, I had to, you know, I had to get over that fear just to call him. And, yeah. and Coach, Coach Holloway, um, the man that he is and the soul that he is, just took me under his wing, no questions asked, yeah. and, uh, and really helped me. And um, awesome. it was... I always, and even to this day, sometimes like I feel like I let him down. I let both of them down. So it's kind of, I'm still dealing with that now. Sure. And, uh, you know, but I, well, I, they, love. I can speak to, I won't speak for a DA and a mouse, two people that I also know 
uh, or at least getting to know uh, a lot more in the last couple of years. And I would echo a lot of the sentiment that you just said for someone that knows them very well, I would echo that for someone who doesn't know them as well, that uh, comes through very clear their, their character. Uh, but I would uh, speak truth that there's no way they're disappointed in you. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's where I don't want to speak for them, but yeah. I have a hard time thinking uh, Daryl and Mouse would correct me on that one. I, I know yeah. that for, for a fact. Um, and so it's my own ego that I'm still, yeah. you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm still bruised by it. Not, know, so. not saying that I could easily, on your side of this camera mm-hmm. right here, go, oh, yeah, you know what, you're right, Mike. I'm, I'm good now. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent, absolutely, absolutely. So let's move to uh, you had visited the doctor uh, near oh, the yeah. end. Yeah. So um, yeah. Uh, to talk us through. You went and visited. You had to do a health checkup yeah. or something. Yeah. How'd that go? Um, actually, you know, I'm not. I'm kind of like my grandfather, a little bit like my father. I'm, I'm not a real big fan of hospitals. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I was fortunate in my lifetime that I really never had to experience a lot of death. Um, so at a young age, when my great grandfather died, I didn't really go to the hospital that much after that. Um, but I was, uh, I, I needed to get a class B driver's license to be able to drive the state university vehicles. And part of that process is you have to go to the doctor. Just, just for like a physical, like just yeah, to make sure you're not going to croak yeah. while you're driving kids around. Yeah. I mean, make sure you can see and, and all that you're physically sure. able to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to the doctor and. And uh, the lady took blood pressure. She took some blood, and uh, she went. Pretty standard. Yeah, pretty standard stuff. And and uh, you know, I felt good. Uh, you know, I didn't. You know, yeah, I probably was a little more stressed than normal. I, and I knew that, but but we, we've already we've already categorized you were stressed at this time. Yeah, going you through UCLA and you're at Cal State yeah. LA, the first time head coach. So we yeah. don't, don't downplay it. You were yeah. stressed at this point. Okay, yeah. so I, I was I was stressed, and but the, the, the doctor uh, lady came in and she said, "What do you do?" And I said, "Well, I'm head track and field coach." And and she said, "Well, how long have you been doing?" It? I said, "Well, you know, I've been doing it for over ten years now." And she said, "Well, is everything going all right?" And I said, "Well, I'm way more stressed than normal." Uh, and she said, well, sir, um, either you need to get out of this job as soon as possible or you need to change professions because if, if wow. you don't, you, you may not survive. Um, she wow, said, so something that blood pressure or blood test yeah. is what, yeah. higher than normal, range, higher than it should be. The range that I was extremely close to that I wasn't in but I was extremely close to being in was stroke level. And Wow. So that's you know, uh, no hyperbole here. That's yeah. uh, that's bad. Yeah. Uh, so what what's going through your mind? You hear that? that is it a wake up call? Or are you like, yeah, whatever? I gotta oh, get back man. to the track. What What are you thinking? I I I remember leaving her office, sitting in my car, and I I sat in there and I just prayed for like an hour. Like, yeah. It, so oh it hit my you. God, like this this could really happen to me. Right. And I assume you don't regularly go to your car and pray for an hour. I know you're no, praying for man. No, so, this, no. so this hit you. Yeah. And yeah. I said, I, I, there's got to be a different way that I can respond to stress. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I it, it took me probably about a week and a half to tell my wife. Oh, yeah. And it was it, it was a devastating blow for me. Um, the track itself was my, my escape. Okay. Um, you know, even... Even to this day, I can step on the track and feel, you know, yeah. I can feel better. Yeah. Uh, 
they feel good about being on the track. It's never. I, I remember used to. I, I used to ask some of my coaching friends when they would get stressed out or you know they were considering being burnt out or whatever. I would ask them all the time: Is it the job or is it the career? And the um, job or the what? Or the career? Or the career? Okay. And, you know, you it's you can change jobs. It's a little bit harder to change career. Um, and I but I never asked myself that question. Until I sat that car and said, is it the job or is it the career? Right. And I think I remember forcing myself to say that it was the job. Okay. Uh, I I still wasn't sure it was the career. Because I I enjoyed... The the career being coaching track and field, the job being the specific... Okay, gotcha. Okay. So you kind of in your head was like, yeah, the job for sure. You didn't want to say career. Yeah. Even though back of your head maybe... Yeah. And I didn't understand that until really a couple of couple of weeks ago a couple of months ago i was taking i'm uh, back in school uh pursuing my master's in sports administration and i took a sports psychology class and okay. had a section on on uh electron burnout uh-huh. and um he talked about entrapment and the entrapment is when a coach feels like um this is their only option right you know, that they don't have the same enjoyment or fulfillment from it, but they they stay in it because it's the only thing they know. It's the only right. thing they're with. It's the only you know. It's it's a lifestyle that they don't want to necessarily feel like they can give up or want right. to give up. Um, so so I, had I, to, I, I really opened up when I found I know, that. I know a lot of people who are watching this right now at that point specifically um, about entrapment. Their their antennas went up. Um, Unfortunately, I'm going to tease them a little bit here and tell them we're, we're going to pause that part of the conversation. I want yeah. to connect the loop here real quick. That, that uh, class you took was here recently. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, we just got through the doctor's appointment that was, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to go ahead and say life-changing in respect to you to start mm-hmm. changing some life. So, but yeah. you then, you, so you're stressed out, uh, uh, rightfully so, with the head, this head coaching job. So you then move back, then you move to, to Bethel in Tennessee. You, I, I'd hate to say maybe you increase stress because now at this point you're in Tennessee, your daughter's in Kentucky, your wife is in California. Yeah. Track was not the priority. Right. So Good. Really <laughs> Good. Um, you know, I, I really took Bethel as an opportunity to see if I could, you know, my mother was, was uh, recovering from some previous surgeries and right. I was about half hours away i want to be able to get quickly to to, to my family if sure. she needed um you know my daughter was in Lexington, so now you know five five hours of change i could get to right. it uh as quickly as possible uh but i still had that okay i gotta recruit i gotta do all that i mean I, there were times where i'd come back from a meet at 11 12 o'clock get in my car and drive to to kentucky or i'd drive right. to, to Chattanooga. Uh, just to be with my family and spend some time yeah. uh, right after that, still recruiting, still coaching, and then getting mm-hmm. back Monday right before practice. Uh, uh, still still being a husband? Yeah, still right? doing I mean, all, okay. all of that. From so afar. super stressful. Um, you then leave Bethel, and we get the whole family together in Ruston? Well, my first year here at Louisiana Tech, um, my wife and daughter were still in, in Kentucky. Um, oh, but mom, mom's uh, wife's now back. Mom, in- yeah, yeah. Mom, and, uh, my wife had been back in Kentucky for maybe about I don't know ten months or so. Okay, so two thirds of the band is yeah. back together. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. And so I'm doing that, and I'm you know at the same time trying to convince my my wife. Hey, you know, I remember my wife asked me, 
if track doesn't work out, are you prepared to make Rustin home? What was your answer? I said yes. Okay, you meant it. And, and, and yes, in okay. two ways. At the time that she asked me, it was whatever it takes to get you 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 guys here full awesome. time. Awesome. Um, that that's kind of what it was. So, but number I number one, yeah. but I didn't look at what that meant. Sure. Until I started recognizing as the career kind of was coming to a close because my last year at Louisiana Tech was my twentieth year coaching. And I looked at it, and, and, I, and I remember asking myself at the conference meet, um, my last conference meet, and I asked, my, I asked myself the question again, is it the job or is it the career? And for the first time, yeah. I, looked up, I looked myself dead. In, I remember in the, we were in El Paso, Texas, in my hotel room. I looked myself in the mirror, and I said, it's the career. Wow. Then, so a continuation yeah. of that question from a couple of years ago, now you're able to honestly answer that question. Yeah. You know, I'm guessing here. You only yeah. you know how much you actually said job versus career back then, but now you are clearly, yeah. it's the career. So you yeah. decide um, all these things. I mean, look what you put yourself through. And, and let me take a step back because that was selfish to say that. Uh, what you put your family through. Yeah. Right? I mean, now you're getting out. Yeah. yeah. So, the, the, the great thing about it, and any young coaches watching this, um, single or otherwise, your support system means everything to you. Right. And, you know, and, and my, my peer group definitely knows Kareem and Ray and, and Brian O'Neill and, and Eric Jenkins and, and all of those guys at BG and Ronnie. They know. Um, mm-hmm. And they know my wife. They've met my wife. Uh, Ronnie, we all went to school together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know what type of woman she is. And and so the, the reason why, you know, well, however you want to call me as a coach success or not, I consider myself a good coach, not a great one. Um, yeah. But however you want to categorize me, none of that would have been possible if I didn't have a support system of that. that, yeah, that um, Absolutely. That's, you know, I mean, you can call ride or die, whatever you want to call it. That, that <laughs> woman right there yeah. um, was a source of a lot of my strength. And so I why didn't you get out earlier? Because I was good at it. <laughs> um, I understand. You're, you're a good dad, you know, too, I hope. You know, I, yeah, I, I think You're I'm a good husband, husband too. I hope. You know, the 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 thing was, it, yeah, it, it probably was that in track. You know, where, man, I've been involved in this sport since I was six. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything else, and then that, oh my God, what am I going to do at two o'clock every day? Okay. Um, what July first? Oh my God. What, <laughs> right. You yeah. know, I you know June you know April first of the previous year you start working on july 1st for next year you know that that whole calendar and that system what am i going to do right. that fear keep that, keep it on that, that theme that, of it keep it on that theme of entrapment this is interesting we hit on this super earlier when you said mm-hmm. you, you know your your job now and i'm like oh yeah that, I, I i guarantee you every one of the coaches that will watch this i could pick a different career where they would be more successful yeah. writers TV producers, teacher, yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. Um, so that entrapment of, well, I'm a coach. What else am I going to do? How else am I going to uh, find the passions and things like that? So I'm going to ask you a tough question. In, in mind, if you don't want to answer this, uh, you say the word and I'll move on. Do you wish you would have gotten out earlier? No. Okay. Why? No. I, I'm the type of person that everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. Good, bad, and different. Okay. And 
And even though, yes, I was burned out, I don't blame the sport for burnout. Okay. I don't blame, blame? burnout. I blame myself. Okay. I, I can only control myself and my reaction. All right. And and I don't I don't want to look back on any regrets. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy the people that I coached. Um, I, you know, if any one of my former athletes ever watches this, I love all of you. Whether you hated me or I hated you, <laughs> I, I, I love all of you. And and they made it work. Um, so no, I I don't live with any regrets over it. I don't damn the sport or anything like that. I man, I sat on my iPad on on my ESPN app and watched every second of the NCAA. <laughs> Um, you know, if I could yeah, uh, flow track, if I could afford that, that thing, <laughs> uh, I would have been watching the regionals as well. Uh, but I'll watch state meets online, whatever. Uh, yeah. I still am in close contact with a lot of my teammates and coaches and, and coaching buddies, and I mentor still a couple of other younger coaches and, and, and whatnot. So I have no no regrets. I, I, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be able to be a coordinator of student leadership if I had to yeah. learn how to be in the coaching right. crew. So, so no, I have a lot of self-awareness, a lot of respect for me. Uh, you know, anytime someone says, uh, you know, it's on me, it's, you know, that, that to me is always a big um, uh, check mark for a person. It's like, okay, they're, they, they got some self-awareness, not blaming other people or other situations, even things that are outside of their control. I just, why would you blame that? So what are you doing differently today to handle – because you're still going to have stress. But yeah. People who aren't track coaches still get stressed, right? Would you yeah. agree with that? Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. what are you doing today differently than when you were a coach to handle the stressors that you deal with today, family, job, friends, etc.? I'm, I'm working on my reactions. Um, okay. Trust me. And, and, you know, before you and I talked, I, I told you we, I was dealing with a, a great mm-hmm. issue here. Right. Um, you know, how I react to them. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I just, I had to learn, man. You're not going to, I remember Coach Holloway told me this. You're, you're not going to solve everything today. Mm-hmm. Put, put, put it down. Come back. Okay. You know, sometimes you need to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You need to get away you need to go spend time with your family or you know go to a movie i'm i'm looking forward to ant-man and the wasp just <laughs> i mean don't try to solve everything right now so instead of being like reactionary to the minute yeah maybe taking a step back take a step back okay be as proactive as you can mm-hmm. you know i tell i tell these greeks all the time like fellas i didn't take this job thinking that nothing was going to happen <laughs> my job is to help you respond appropriately to what happens right and to try to proactively plan for the hypothetical I mean, right. hazing is, is huge nowadays it always has been but it's even bigger now but i'm trying to get these young men to think and i remember something my dad told me when i got into coaching he said meet people where they are instead of trying to meet them where they where you think they should be mm. so even with with these greek young men it's kind of okay you're 18 to 22 23, 17, you know, what have you. You don't have it figured out. I still don't have it figured out. So why don't we work together and figure it out together? Mm-hmm. So my response is different now than what it would have been 20 years ago as a, as a track coach or even two years ago um, trying to, to, you know, be a problem solver. I used to tell people all the time, my job, you know, what I try to do inherently is I'm trying to be a problem fixer. 
you know, if somebody has a bad block start, my job is to fix it. If somebody doesn't hurt well, my job is to fix it. So you take on this, I can fix everything. Ah, okay. And you, you give yourself this finite period of time to get everything fixed. And these 18 to 22-year-old kids, I mean, I got a 16-year-old daughter. She's trying to figure it out. Uh-huh. I'm 44. I'm Good luck with that. You know, oh, yeah, amen. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're all trying to figure it out. And there's just no timetable on it. So my, my thing is every day that I get, every day that I wake up, uh-huh. God has given me an opportunity to, to make my situation better. Yeah. Um, you know, no matter what's in front of me. So I... I literally have learned to be day-to-day. I don't really think too far in advance. Uh, I I think advance in what I do right now. What I'm doing today sets up five years from now. Right. I can't worry about tomorrow. It's not here yet. I can't go back and get yesterday. It's, it's right. I've got to take care of right now. Yeah. Um, which sometimes that can get on, you know, I know it gets on my daughter's nerves sometimes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go out and assume that a 16-year-old, everything you do gets on her nerves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just got back on vacation um, Sunday, and then yesterday, I'm like, I, there's nothing I can do right, so I was like, okay, you go over there. I'm going to go downstairs and watch Stephen A. Smith yell at America again right. over LeBron and Boogie Cousins and all of them, so it's it just this, I, I have to take this opportunity. I'm sounding like a broken record lately and mm-hmm. beyond the track. Uh, but it's interesting something you just said there about um, you know can't can't change the past. Uh, I can't affect five years from now on a minute level. So I got to do what's best for, you know right now. I got to live life today. How do I make today the best day? Uh, in that book that uh, Justin Wicker talked about in the last interview, uh, Lead for God's Sake. Have you read that book? I have not. You, you got to go read it. Uh, uh, I definitely will. Absolutely. One of the parts it talks about is um, how God put you on this earth to be the best person you are in your position right now. There are other positions you will have and have had, uh, but if you overlook what you are doing today, whether you are a, uh, an assistant coach at a high school level, you're the head coach of a quote-unquote power five, whatever, um, that is your position to be the best. So it's interesting yeah. how you talk about today. I have to, I get to affect change today, this 24 hours. So, um, great read. Got to, again, I'm sounding like a broken record, but yeah. I, I just can't stop recommending that book. So, yeah. hey, uh, question that came up. So, mm-hmm. uh, I am a believer, and the reason I'm a believer is because uh, this happens to me, um, quote unquote, all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have coaches who ask me, you know, I coached for 10 years on the collegiate level before I came to this, uh, the, to what I do now. And so I get coaches all the time. First of all, the number one question is, do you miss it? Do you miss coaching? <laughs> uh, but they're, they're not necessarily asking uh, because they care if I'm getting back from the coach, mm. uh, coaching. They're asking and then they ask other questions like, um, uh, what's it like? not to be a coach uh what do you do you know those kind of questions i think there are a lot of coaches who are intrigued about exploring what their professional life would be not as a track coach um but to our to your point about uh in your sports psychology class of entrapment and things like that uh they're scared hey, that would cut us off oh sorry um uh they're scared and, and by the way i'm not call anybody out here I, 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 yeah. I was scared as well when I did the exact same oh, thing so yeah, no yeah, question yeah. at all 
what would you recommend to a coach out there? There's, there's absolutely at least one person watching right now that I believe uh, if they had to ask themselves, they wouldn't want to ask themselves the question: Is it the coach, or is it the job, or the career? They, they don't even want to ask it, right? Because they're afraid of what yeah. the answer might be. Yeah. What would yeah. you recommend to a coach who is who's uh, struggling with asking themselves that question? Uh, I would say, first of all, assemble your team. Assemble your team of support, support, whether that's mother, father, grandmother, wife, daughter, son, nephew, cousin, whoever. Assemble that team and discuss this with them. Okay. Um I'm a big proponent now, more so than ever, is give your support system a, a chance to support you. And uh, they may be a lot of things, but clairvoyant, they are not. Uh, so they can't reach your mind. They can't reach, reach your mind. Thank you God. Know, so, yeah, amen to that. But assemble your team and talk with them if you're afraid of it, you know, and, and process that, you know. Um, we tend not to, to seek psychological help. Um, coaches and if studies show African American men as well we don't generally tend to do that uh, so if, if you don't you're not comfortable seeing a psychologist go to a pastor somebody you know um, now me in my, my walk I'm way more spiritual than I am religious um, for a lot of other reasons I mean I'm a little bit of a history buff so uh, I look back in the world history and American history and those type of things but but just whatever you need to do to process how you feel right now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're going to have to process how you came to feel like that. And in that process, you will allow yourself to be able to think for tomorrow for a second or clear up today to set up tomorrow. Whatever it is you have to do, just just do it. I mean, there's no shame in it. Um, there's no shame in taking care of yourself. Um, man, I mean, uh, take a vacation, whatever it is you got to yes. do. I mean, 20 years, financially, whatever, you know, we never went on a family vacation until last week. Yeah. There's no way in the world I would have taken a, a, a family vacation that close to July 1. Right. No, that, right. that won't happen. Right. But at some point, I don't care what it is, like, one of my favorite episodes of any TV show is the Treat Yourself episode of uh, Parks and Recreation. Treat yourself. Let's go back and watch that. Okay. All right. Treat yourself. I mean, find other goods, mimosas, all of that. Whatever it is you do, do it. And and make time for yourself. You know, if, if, if you plan on staying in it and you love it that much and, you know, it works out for you financially, what have you, take that time. You don't get it back. You know, just just take it. it. It's there for you. There's vacation days there for you. There's the doctor, all of that. Go run a self-check. Do a diagnostic. Just go to yeah. the doctor make sure you're healthy. You Use your benefits because, good Lord, we work for them. And I know there's some coaches out there that are, that are part-time that don't have benefits. Right, right. Find a way. Like, just go to the free clinic or whatever. Just... If there's something at church, you've got nurses at church, just have, just take care of you. Just take a day, please. Just just do that. Just to so assess yourself. 
Yeah, so to summarize what you said there, I think it's really key. Maybe this is going to be the um, nugget of information uh, for everybody in this in this interview here is the support system. So yeah. um, whether it's uh, it, it should be members, uh, some combination members of your family, uh, other coaches, uh, friends outside of coaching. Oh, um, yeah. Clergy, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Hey, Mott, as we wrap up this section, yeah. we still have one more section to go. Man, I tell you what, I really appreciate your openness and honesty uh, with burnout. And, and um, you know, for a guy who coached uh, 20 years um, and now is having a great career affecting young people, um, amazingly I, 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 I don't want to compare and say more than what you did before or less than I, I, it doesn't matter if you're affecting positive change specifically in young people but if you're affecting positive change in people in general boy uh, big old pat on your back man that is just well, that's I, awesome. I, will say this. I will say this just to kind of you know put a, put a bow on it and this is what I this is what I had to learn for myself and but this is what I share with with my students okay uh, it is okay to be exactly where you are right now. It is okay to feel the way you feel right now. It is okay to be the way you are right now. What is not okay is to stay that way. If, if you're depressed, if you're upset, if you're angry, it's a natural human emotion. It's okay. Do it. Be it. Just stay there. You know, get, I mean, give yourself the 24 hour rule. Whatever, the 48 hour rule, the 72 right. hour rule, don't stay in that emotion. I don't care right. what it is. Just don't stay there. Get off of it. Get up. Do something. Re- respond differently. Right. You know, because I used to tell my athletes all the time if you keep doing the same thing, <laughs> you keep responding the same way, but you keep expecting something different, right. then let's just try something new. Right. Let's try something different. And sometimes we have to take that. That advice to heart for ourselves. That okay, yeah. been in my in, in my studies in the sports psych class. A lot of the burnout section was literally just on athlete burnout. And so mm-hmm. when I talked to to my professor, Dr. Jordan Blazo, uh, to be totally honest, probably one of the top three teachers in a classroom setting teachers I've ever wow. had. Wow. Uh, I have tremendous respect for Dr. B. Um, he, I mean, he he kind of spoke to a lot of that you know right. but but he said there really wasn't a lot of info done on coaching burnout so it's still right. a relative field so yeah. we still don't re- recognize all of the signs and the signs are similar but we still don't recognize a lot of it in ourselves because we're always on the ground um, right. we may be going through some of the signs and, and but there's intervention steps for athletes just like there could be intervention steps for us right. um, but like I say I you know I, I again, I have no regrets about any of it. Yeah. Um, I'm burnt out and disgruntled. That, right. Yeah, hey, that's a good distinction. Yeah. It, it's just I, I just don't want to do it at the at the the college level anymore. Right. Well, to that, echo Dr. B's statements, there, um, you know that that is why there was this white space to create this group uh, beyond the track. You know, I, mm-hmm. as I've stated before so many areas to go find out how to coach a hurdler better and long jump on longer and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, I just didn't see any specific to coaches and obviously my passion is track coaches. So specific Mm -hmm. to track coaches, uh, all the other stuff, 
you know, your health, your financial health, your physical health, mental health, uh, yeah. relationship health, etc. So uh, I really appreciate, and I know those young men and women that you deal with in your profession now, uh, they probably don't realize it, but they will one day, that your advice is coming from a place of learned. Because you, you were telling them, hey, it's okay to be where you are today. Well, mm-hmm. that's the exact opposite of what you expressed when you said you felt ashamed of where you were. You yeah. know, it's like you had yeah. to learn. So that's, uh, boy, experience is the best teacher, and it's the yeah. one thing you can't accelerate. You have to just yeah. live through it. So, again, sure. super appreciate uh, your uh, experience and honesty there with burnout. Uh, I think this is one of the big areas for our coaches who have been coaching for 5, 10, 15-plus years that, um, you know, you said this as well, my. This is, I mean, you had a lot of great nuggets there. We tell our kids that the athletes to do stuff, but then we don't take our own advice. Yeah. We tell a kid, hey, get away from the track for a day. Go, you know, take the day off, whatever. Come back or go, you know, whatever. But yet, if a coach were to say, hey, I'm going to go take a vacation day or a week or whatever, they're like, oh, what are you, you're not working hard enough. Yeah. You know, July 1, like you said, you know, so ridiculousness. Kind of that uh, – pure definition of speaking out of both sides of the mouth kind of thing. Yeah. so we almost bully hey, ourselves what's that we almost bully ourselves yeah uh, uh, 100% that's a whole different topic in regards to peer pressure regarding coaches 100% that's a uh, that could be a round table to be honest yeah. with, you, with a bunch yeah. of great coaches so the other uh, goal of this group and these interviews is to help expand your network uh, we all uh, or have something unique about us and we also all are going through challenges no one is going through a perfect life uh, and we should never be going through that life alone uh, you can hit on that succinctly uh, perfectly so uh, this next portion is something that you're challenged with now that hopefully uh, someone who is watching this interview has either gone through and succeeded or is going through and struggling that uh, to help expand your network and theirs maybe take this offline and uh, kind of have a one-on-one rap session with maybe someone you have no clue you've never met before uh, to help each other and again that's what this whole group is about is how do we continue to improve ourselves so uh, what's a challenge you are going through right now too much of this (laughs) too too many uh, Apple devices that could be a lot of people's problems yes too too much time too much time time. on on Facebook to build so much time to do all of this stuff that you know, just to fill the day, like two o'clock, man. I'm supposed to be on a track. I'm supposed right. to yep. I'm supposed to be doing this, like, man. Just all that time, and it's so funny okay. because uh, now all that time has shifted towards my family, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you got a 16 year old daughter, and uh, that side eye is real. So, <laughs> uh, so that I mean, sometimes it's like, hey, don't bring all of that time over here. Push sure. some of that. Time that you know so you know just kind of dealing with 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 that more so than anything because so, I, th- that's unique you're saying you have too much time so you're talking about now that you're not a college coach you're a uh, you're more closer to an eight to five is that fair yeah yeah okay so you're not a college coach which is you know the opposite of an eight to five it's an eight to eight to eight to eight um, yeah. so you you don't uh, you're not in the office at night making recruiting calls you're not traveling to track meets that you know, it's a two and a half day affair, if not longer. Yeah. Uh, you're not doing home visits, uh, those kind of things. So th- those times have opened up to you, so that now you can invest them in other places. And you're 
maybe struggling with what to do with this. Yeah, just what to do with it. So I'll give you a great example. Um, went to Dallas for my daughter's cheer competition, and uh, yeah, I mean it's a it's it's a big deal for him now. I am not a cheer guy. Watch, watch what you say, man. Don't get the wrath of cheerleaders I, I on this. I do not I want their wrath. I'm, I'm looking around. Nobody, no, no 60-year-olds around. But, um, yeah, I, I'm sitting there in Dallas at the convention center, and, and uh, you know, these three, four-minute routines, you know, and this is all this cheer energy. I call it cheerosity. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm just sitting there, and, you know, you do this performance, and then all of a sudden you got like three, four hours to wait until the next performance. You're just sitting on the floor. Kind of like a track meet, it sounds like. Kind of like a track meet. Okay, all right. So I kind of recognize, like, oh, okay, but I'm not warming up anybody. Right. So I'm sitting there, and I'm bored. And the first time, the second time I ever went live on Facebook was to start this Cheer Dad Chronicles thing that you may or may not have seen. Yeah. Um, And I was just literally just doing it because I was bored because I'm – I'm really not that much of an extrovert, but I became one because literally I was just sitting there just, what am I going to do at all this time? Right? Right. They don't perform until 4 o'clock, and then they don't perform again until 8 o'clock. Right. So I just kind of started having these moments of thought and said, okay, well, let me document this. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm finalizing my decision to go back to school. Right. And I said, okay, well, let me document this too. You know, yeah. so literally I'm just trying to, find space for all this energy and so, all this thought that's in my head super fascinated with with um documenting mm-hmm. um uh, you may have seen a my i have seen every one of your videos absolutely um you know i am fascinated with a guy named gary b gary vaynerchuk and he talks about mm-hmm. document don't create uh, so I've done some of those things with, um, uh, you know, I've done some whiskey tastings live, things I just know nothing about. Uh, I've done my fasting live and uh, just different things, documenting, documenting. So what, where was, mine came from Gary Vaynerchuk. I, I'm, I'm not original at all. I'm a stealer. I stole it from, from yeah. that. Uh, where, where, did, where did your inspiration come to, to document that on Facebook? Sheer boredom. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> Sheer boredom. What's this live button do? Yeah. 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 Like live? Because uh, the only other time I'd ever been on Facebook Live, I went to a high school meet recruiting at, at DeSoto. And uh, the announcer there, I still don't know his name, but good Lord, he had the, the, the voice of of God. <laughs> and I just had to document that for everybody because I, I couldn't do it myself. But that was like a year, almost a year to date from that cheer competition. I just, just I, I never wanted to really be in front of a, a camera, much less my own camera phone half the time, but, you know, it's just, all of a sudden, I'm just literally just sitting there, and I had all these plans, because I'm, I'm, again, I'm a history buff, and you're not that far away from Dealey Plaza, so I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Dealey Plaza, I've never seen it before, and, and if anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge Dallas Cowboy fan, so it was, you know, I'm in Dallas, I'm like in the home of my childhood favorite right. team, so it was like, man, I wanted to show that show that stuff yeah. um, what's been the feedback from not only from so two 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 sides mm-hmm. of that question one is what feedback has your family had to you about that uh, specifically your wife and daughter and then mm-hmm. what feedback have you received from comments and yeah uh, typically you'll get a lot of comments through messenger like people don't want to comment yeah. on your video they just want to tell you you're an idiot <laughs> through messenger or something you know? yeah what, what kind of feedback have you been getting? uh my wife and daughter kind of like look at me sometimes it's a little bit of side eye like 
kind of crazy, but women are most good at that. Times, husbands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, most of the time it's kind of like you know, it, it's funny. Sometimes I'll put her on there. So, you know, my daughter don't like to be filmed by me, um, so <laughs> she'll give me a little side. And eye, she's but, sixteen. Her whole life is filmed with Snapchat yeah. and Instagram. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just don't don't let mom and dad do it. But um, you know, from you know, friends and family, I, I think they're seeing a different side of me. Um, you know, kind of come out a little bit, and it's slowly coming out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are a little taken back by it. Like, sure, yep. this been mm-hmm. not that they don't like it. It's just where's this been? Right. Um, you know, so usually I reserve it for my very tight circle. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, for the most part, like you know, sometimes you you know it'll inspire like one of my former coaching buddies or whatnot. Just you know, man, you know. Do you miss coaching? And, you know, mm-hmm. my response generally is, you know, man, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying now, and I'm enjoying the memories. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm, you know, kind of. Sometimes when I when I'm filming or, or or sharing, or I keep thinking, yeah, that that phrase that the kids use now, living the best life. That that's what I'm trying to do right now. Is that what the kids say? I don't know. My, yeah, my seven year old hasn't picked that up yet, so I haven't yeah, caught on. I'm just I'm feeling good in the moment, and I just you know. I'm just wanting to share, you know, nothing other than that. So what are your, you know, you're trying to fill this time. And so you, you can't just film doing nothing, right? That's not very interesting. So what, what kind of hobbies do you have? What, what are you, are you still in school? Are you still doing that? I'm I'm not in school now. They didn't offer any classes for me. Okay. But you're still working. Yeah, I'm still working. So what kind of hobbies? I'm, I'm, I'm a sports gamer. Um, I'm I'm a real big fan of Madden. Um, oh, okay, something like on the PS4 yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I I just picked up uh, FIFA 8, 18. I'm not a huge soccer guy, but I will have, follow it enough. Have you ever heard of Twitch? Yeah, yeah. I I, I see a little bit of that. Um, uh, I usually follow a lot of the, the Madden gamers when they up you know, like you know all the new stuff with Madden 19 is coming out, and so I watch a little bit of that. Um, I just finished binge watching Luke Cage, Luke Cage season two uh, the other day, so I, I I literally just kind of like whatever I feel like doing now. Um, I've got golf clubs. I haven't been back to the range yet. Uh, I'm, I'm a hacker. Um, you know, I probably you know you put you know you want your weeds gone, just put a golf ball there, and I could probably get, <laughs> we go to town. I probably want the ball, but I, the weeds will be gone. But um, right. <laughs> you know, so I, I just kind of. You know, I, I'm into those type of things. I'm a real big movie buff. Um, you know, yeah, the next John Wick movie, the Equalizer movie, the superhero stuff, the Marvel stuff, the Star Wars stuff. I'm in all of that. So, uh, and then <laughs> my other hobby is oh, here we go. watching um, track videos. Like, uh, um, like funny ones or like just the state no, of the or Yeah, just Altus. Oh yeah, stuff. okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I love what they do because they they share everything and they don't talk over your heads. Right. I, I I love I love that. So I, I you know any type of video that I don't have to pay for, um, <laughs> I, I would pay for it. But right yeah. now we're working on the finances. Right. Um, but um, I, I watch as much of that as as I as I possibly can because I, I I can't get track out of my head. It's mm. it's in there. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, just kind of working on me, just finding inspirational quotes and and 
planning things out for my African American Male Initiative and mm-hmm. and uh, you know making sure the IFC guys don't don't tear themselves apart. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, don't go they, on you. They they do a decent job of it. It's just you know yeah. they're seventeen to twenty two year old kids. So hey man, I was in a fraternity. I get it. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, other than that. I, I am the living embodiment of day-to-day. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, hey, you, you know, if you're watching this right now and maybe you have a suggestion for uh, Mont, um, what he can do to fill his time, or maybe, as you've heard, how he goes about his day-to-day, uh, maybe there's a way for him to uh, tweak or capture something, um, put it down in the comment section. Down in the comment section, he's also going to list... Uh, whatever he's most covered, his email or Twitter, whatever, your yeah. Snapchat, whatever you do, your, yeah. your thing there. Uh, uh, he'll put that down if you want to reach him offline. Uh, I, I am going to give one suggestion to you, Mont, about what to do with your time. Uh, again, I'm a big believer in um, Facebook Live and documenting and things like that. I think your unique history from uh your father uh who i know was a big part of your life uh coaching track which we know was obviously a big part of your life uh and um and stuff that with what you're doing now with the um i don't want to misstate it the african-american male initiative male initiative um i think that is super interesting and i think people not track coaches necessarily there will be some but i'm talking about people the population would be super interested especially in today's hyper sensitive uh, yeah. everything's on news fake news all that kind of crap we won't talk at all about politics i want to allow yeah. that job uh, <laughs> but i think there is a space for people to see what are people helping other people to become based on their experiences and specifically with I think niche is always more important than broad specifically with niche of African Americans and males that there is a uh, call it a TV show and here's what's great about today is you don't have to go pitch this to CBS and have a million dollars and all that kind of stuff you have your own TV studio you have this phone and you have YouTube and Facebook and etc so I'm going to encourage you to do some research uh, specifically of G- Gary Vaynerchuk on okay. how to do that and what to do and uh, basically the number one advice is go do it uh, yeah. you know, and, and keep doing it, be consistent on it you'll improve as you, as you go along but I think uh, you have a natural talent of being on your phone camera here, I've, I've watched those videos you're very uh, open and humble and um, uh, affable when you're on the camera so uh, I think something to do with that um, with your experiences would be super interesting to people that you could actually turn it into something that monetizes I know that's not necessarily your objective but I think it'd be something that you would uh, uh, benefit a lot of people to and I think you have a lot to give to other people because a lot of people have poured into you so it's a little bit here's my challenge your it's a little bit your responsibility to now go take what your father and countless other people have poured into you and, and go do it to others. I know you're already doing it with your wife and your daughter. Keep doing that. 10x that. But now, um, 
how do you do you expand that with uh, yeah. the other responsibilities you have in front of you? Exactly. Man, I told you this takes about an hour. You might have hit the record. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, we are over an hour, man. Oh, wow. Uh, my battery is getting low as well because I didn't have my, yeah. uh, my cylinder battery. But, hey, thank you so much, man. These interviews, I learned so much from it. This is where the selfless versus selfish uh, philosophy that I've been talking about a lot is definitely in here. 100% self list i want people to learn from you i want uh, hopefully to to help teach you some things as well that sounds terribly bad but you know to, to use my experience but selfishly i learn on each one of these interviews as well so uh i can't thank you enough so uh hey uh, lamont has uh agreed to answer any of your questions and stuff down in the comments uh so he'll uh throughout the next week or two no no time rush there uh he'll come back and answer your questions uh we didn't talk about any books or anything that we haven't already talked about so i won't probably put too much in there but mont thank you so much man uh okay. th this shows your true character i've known you for quite a while now yes uh, so this is a perfect example of what i know of your true character of uh being selfless and uh wanting to help other people so i'm so happy to hear your story so so happy to know that you and your family are together and are thriving that that means the world to me i love happy endings uh the good news is it's not ending uh yeah. so you get to continue yeah. to grow that all right and well, I, wanna, so. I appreciate you you for creating this type of space um you know for for a lot of coaches uh, i know if i was a young coach i would have definitely needed to, to to get involved with this we didn't have this when we started yeah and so you know, my dad says all the time, there's a difference between turning pro and being a professional. And uh, <laughs> yeah. you're, providing, you're providing a space for young people to be professional. And, awesome. uh, and and people who are been in this sport for a long time to continue to be professional. So I appreciate that as well. So Man, I received that. And uh, I, I, my, my pledge is to keep working and, and grow it. Again, it takes you guys. If you're not yeah. making comments, making posts, etc., this group dies uh it'll yeah. it'll die i'm 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 okay with being wrong that this group is needed uh yeah. you you out there you have to be the driver of this so thank you for everybody who has participated continue get out there if, if you're sitting on the sidelines because you think you have nothing to contribute i challenge that a hundred percent i challenge that you do have something to contribute you just got to now contribute my thank you so much man have a great day all right you too support.